This morning, I want to talk to you this morning about God's guidance in our lives this morning. If you brought your Bible with you today, turn to Psalms 32. And like our pastor said, if you're using the iPhone, make sure you stay on the Bible program and not text messaging and all that kind of stuff. Psalm 32, verse 8 is what we're going to read this morning. Psalm 32, verse 8. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Father, thank you for your word. We believe, Lord, that your word is powerful. <laughs> and it is sharp like a double-edged sword. And it's good, Lord, for piercing. So, Lord, we pray that our tensions would not go somewhere else. That, God, that we would be stayed focused on your word today, God. We believe, Lord, as we listen to your word today and allow it to seep into our lives, we believe, God, that it shall transform us and renew us in our mind. God, so that we will be able to test and approve of your good and your perfect will. So, Father, thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about God's guidance today. Now, I'm sure if I was to ask you the questions this morning, how many of you desired God to lead you and guide you in every aspect of your walk and the work in which you distribute into your hands? I'm sure that I would probably see 85 to 90 percent of the people in this room with their hands lifted and raised. Because we all desire God to guide and lead us. But also, I find one thing that seems to be happening amongst the people of God. And much of it, I believe, is due to this aspect of not allowing God to guide us. But much of our Christian work in which God has given to us is going undone. And simply because we, as God's people, are refusing to do it God's way. We want to do it our way. And clearly here, God wants to guide us. According to this text. He wants to lead us in his way. So that we can accomplish what he wants instead of what we want. Today we're going to look in the scripture and we're going to see God's promise, which we just read, to guide us. And we also are going to see examples of individuals in which God guided. And then lastly, cannot hang you, I'm going to kind of give you about four or five things I believe that you can take with you so that as God guides you, it will become much more easier for him to guide. 
He says, I will counsel you. Some of yours may have said he will guide you or he will advise you. You think of it in terms of many of you, when you were growing up in school, you had what they call a guidance counselor. Someone who gave you instructions or gave you some counsel on the subjects in which you needed to take in order to accomplish what you wanted in that particular area of study. Many of us who are probably older think of this thing of guidance when we think about when Jesus talked about the spiritual leaders of Israel and how they were like blind guides to the people. And he referred to it as the blind leading the blind. And I also like to refer to it as, and I think about the time when I was in Africa in 2008, when we were going up through the northern part of Uganda and in the northern part of Uganda, if you, many of you know history, you had a lot of rebels who lived and taken, take, kind of taken control, control of the northern part of Uganda. The destination in which we had to go, we had to go through some of that area of where the rebels were at. And I never forget as we drove along and we stopped because there was this huge gate that was crossing the freeway. And 16-year-old man walks up to the car and I know nothing of what he's saying. But I do see a rifle strapped on his shoulder so whatever he says goes because he got the gun. But anyway, in talking, he says, you guys are going to need someone to lead you and guide you through this area because you have no idea about the best way to go. So this guy, after some negotiation, he leads us. And we follow him to our point of Safety. Well, just like that soldier knew the best way to lead us and to guide us in the way that we should go, this is the same thing that God is talking about here when he's talking to David. He says, David, because I know the best way, I want to lead you, right? What the problem is sometimes that we argue with God because we think that we know the best way. When God is saying clearly to David, and because we are followers of Christ, it means the same promise that God gave to David is the same promise that God gives to me and you today. God wants to lead us. He wants to counsel us. He wants to advise us. He wants to guide us. Not just on any particular way. He wants, us to, he wants to guide us on the best pathway. 
Right? Now I want you to notice something here. Notice, if you follow the whole passage, it is David appreciating God for God's forgiveness. This is a time when David was caught with Bathsheba and Samuel said, David, knock it off. God knows what you did. And David repented. And when he repented, God forgave him. And David was so full of joy. And God gave him this promise. What does that mean? If you are here today and you may be bound in sin, if you will repent, guess what? God will lead you on the best way. And some of you may be even here today and you may be saying that, man, God, I did that last week or I did this and that. If you would follow the same thing in which David did by repenting, turning away from sin and receiving what God has already done for you, God extends the promise to you as well. God gives us an assurance that he wants to lead us. And he leads those whom their sins and transgressions have been forgiven. So if you're here today and you are one who is not a believer and follower of Jesus, someone else is leading you except God. And you can change that today. By saying yes to Jesus, I believe that Jesus died for me, and I believe that he made a way for my sins to be forgiven. What are the conditions? It gave you an assurance. Now I want to talk about conditions. So that God can lead us and guide us. What conditions that God give us? If you will be kind and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to read verse 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3. And we'll read verse 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Did you get those three things in which God said? Come on, talk with me a little bit. Number one, what did he say? Number two, what did it say? And number three? Acknowledge, yes. Trust him. Lean not and acknowledge him. Well, that's good and all sound great, but what does that mean? Right? What does it mean? Now, I decided to look that up, that word trust. And guess what I found? It says to place confidence in, rely on, be confident of or sure of something or someone. 
Okay? Be confident in the Lord. Why be confident in the Lord? Be confident in the Lord because he is all powerful. (laughs) He is all knowing and he is all present. He is faithful. He is one in whom we can rely on. He is one in whom never disappoints. That's why it says trust in the Lord, not trust in the pastor, but trust in the Lord. Because the pastor, just like you, can disappoint. Therefore, we can't trust in them with all of our heart. Okay? Confident in him. I'm confident in him. This really helps when it comes to that place when things start to get rocky in life and they start to get shaky in life. When everything around us seems to be crumbling, we can still trust in the Lord. He will never fail us. So we trust in him. And the Bible goes on to say, lean not to your own understanding. Kwa, can you come for a minute? Can you stand right here? Let's look at this word, lean. Can you step up here? Because some people in the back may not see you. (laughs) So it says, lean not. Leaning has a ten, the word means to place one's support on something. If I do like this, all my support is on him. If he takes off, I fall. Right? Don't take off, okay? Thank you very much. If We are in that place where we are leaning on something else or someone outside of God. We will fall. And here is where I struggle with this. Lean not to your own understanding. God does not want us to throw away our brain. God wants us to use our brain. But when we use our brain and it supersedes what God has said, that's when we got wrong then. We stepped into pride. We stepped into the glorification of knowledge then. And that's called worshiping an idol. He says, lean not to your understanding. My trouble sometimes is that when I think I know an area real well, nobody can tell me about nothing. (laughs) Because I think I know it really well. So nobody can tell me anything about it. Because I went to school to study about this. I read an awful lot about this. Well, I want to tell you something. God said, A, 
amen to you that you went to school. Amen that you studied a lot about it. But when you trust that over God, you're in the wrong place then. And you need to repent. Because you are leaning to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. God don't want just part of your life. He wants to be Lord of your life. He wants lordship over every aspect of our life. So in every aspect of our lives, we want to give glory and honor to God. Jesus said almost a similar thing. You remember when he said one of those verses that we love as people of God to quote? You remember when he talked to his disciples after preaching to them on the, about the Sermon on the Mount? And he says to them, do not worry about your life. You remember what he said? But seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these things shall come upon you. God is saying to us today, we want to be guided by him. We need to trust him with all of our heart. Lean not to our own understanding. And in all of our ways, acknowledge him. Can I ask you a question? In what ways? Are you not acknowledging God? Has he shown you some way, some place in which you're not acknowledging him, you're not giving him lordship in that area of your life? I would say to you, repent today. And give him lordship over that area of your life. And he will direct your path. He will throw you on a very straight line because that's what it means. God's path is not crooked. God's path is straight. And he said to Jesus that the way to hell is broad, but the way that leads to light is narrow. His way is straight. God wants to lead us in that way. Jesus said, the one who walks on the path in which God is, God is carving out for him, the best way. Jesus says, that man or that girl or that boy or girl walks in the light. Watch this. He said, John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said, the one who is guided by him, who is walking on the best pathway for life, Jesus said that that person is walking in the light. And you know what light does. Light helps us to be able to navigate in darkness. Jesus said that this world is broken. This world is dark. That's why he said, I am the light of the world. You remember when Jesus, uh, uh, when God himself was leading the Israelites as they were passing in the desert? He says that I will lead you by a cloud during the day and a pillar 
Fire by night. Fire brings light. Jesus is saying to the one who is guided by him, he will not walk blindly. He will not walk in sin. He will walk in light. Maybe if you're walking in that place today where you can't see, maybe it's not necessary about what's going on in your life, but it's more so are you trusting God? Are you leaning not to your own understanding? Are you acknowledging God in all of your ways? Well, who are the people in which God led? As I said, he led the Israelites. God also led Abraham. You remember what he told him? He said, Abraham, because you have been walking in righteousness, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And he told Abram, he said, Abram, I want you to get up and I want you to leave your land. And I want to take you to a place where you can be a blessing to the whole entire world. Right? God was leading Abraham. He was guiding Abraham. He was directing Abraham. And when I was reading that, and that is in Genesis chapter 12 for your paper to write down. When God spoke this to Abram, what caught my attention was, he said to Abram, he said, Abram, I don't want you to stay. I don't want you to go. For God to leave me, I have to be walking. Right? Some people, oh, God, lead me. God, lead me. And they stay in the same position all day, all year, every Amen. 10 years. Go. And then God's going to lead. It was when Paul was headed to one city, he was headed. He was walking. And God spoke to him, no, don't go there, go there. Because he was going. Too much of the church today is sitting and not going. Because we get it so comfortable with entertainment that we are not really going. There's people at your workplace. There's people in our communities. There's people in distant lands who need to hear about Jesus. The Bible says that they can only hear when there is a preacher. Someone going and God can lead us. Abraham was, he went. God talked to Joshua as well too. Joshua and the people banked at the Jordan. God has said, go into that land. And possess the land, depossess the land. And God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, God said to him, He said, Joshua, be very courageous. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, 
but do everything that I have said in it. Don't turn to the left nor to the right. Meditate in that thing day and night. And God says, in result, God says that I will be with you. Right? And all you got to do is just read through the book of Joshua and you'll see as he went to each city that God instructed him, he did great work for God. Now, Again, if I just leave you hanging there saying that God has promised to lead you, show you the conditions for God to lead you, trusting him, leaning not to your own understanding, acknowledging him, show you all these wonderful examples, and then let you go out of here without telling you how, I would be failing in my preaching. So now, I'm going to tell you how you can get yourself ready so that God can lead you in the way he wants you to lead you. Can you turn turn with me to Luke chapter 11? Luke chapter 11, verse 34. Luke chapter 11 and verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light. But when they are bad, your body also is full of darkness. Jesus says that when our eyes are good, our whole body is good. But when they're bad, our whole body is bad. What is Jesus saying? When we think about eyes, eyes are always thought of as spirit, spiritual understanding, a spiritual insight. Right? Jesus here was talking specifically to groups of people who were not following him. If you go back and read, you'll see he talks about this woman who is in a bad place and these religious leaders want to stone her. And he keeps the thought going because he knows who he's talking to. So what was Jesus trying to say to those guys that he's still saying to us today. He was saying that our eyes can be damaged when there's dirt thrown in them. Okay, let me put it to you like this. When there are evil thoughts that run through our lives, then our eyes and the way we see things are definitely damaged. It messes up our insight. That's why he was saying to the religious leaders at this time, the blind leading the blind. 
They were blind. They couldn't see right. Why could they not see right? It was because they had evil desires. Their motives were not pure. If we want to be guided, if we want to be guided by God, we must start with having pure motives. Our motives need to be pure. We cannot be in that place of serving God just so that we can get the praise from men. Or if we got some kind of some kind of all our own agenda in which we, we, we have, then God cannot guide us. Because we want to go this way and God want to go that way. But because we have our own personal agendas, we struggle. There's a reason why God talks about mule a lot in the Bible. Because mules were very stubborn people. Or stubborn animals. So if it translates today, then we are we going this way, God going this way, it makes it very easy for us to understand we are mules. When we have our own agendas, we want to bring praise to ourselves. Or we are in it just so that we can keep our rank in authority, in power, in all of those things. Our motives are not pure and God will not lead us. You have to have pure motives. And we have to follow the example in which Jesus Lay down for us. John chapter 17, verse 4. John 17, verse 4 says, I have brought you glory, honor, by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus simply saying here, God, I have not made people know about my name, but I have brought honor to your name while on this earth. And because I have brought honor to your name, you enabled me to finish the work in which you called me to do. Many times we get off the broken, get off the broken path because we bring an honor to ourselves instead of bringing honor to Jesus. He says, I brought you glory. And that's what glory means, to give honor to someone. So we have to have pure motives. We also have to have surrendered wills. Surrendered wills. In John chapter 5, verse 30, it says, John chapter 5, verse 30, it says, By myself... I can do nothing. I judge only what I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Did you get that? Jesus said by himself he could do nothing. Jesus 
clearly shows here that he was surrendered to God's mission. Clearly demonstrates that. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you see him again demonstrating his complete submission, surrender to God's will in his life. Right? Here's one thing I heard from someone. He said, if, if you can identify a will that is surrendered to God versus one that has been extinguished, then you'll be okay. What does it mean to extinguish? It means to put out, to quench. You want to keep on going, but something quenches. Something puts it out, right? But when I'm surrendered, it no longer becomes about me but it becomes about fulfilling the will of the one who is above me. Right? Sometimes we are serving God and sometimes God says, because you're doing your own thing, I'm going to put that out. And if you're like me, you start crying. <laughs> Because they say, oh, God, did you see how much work I put into that time I did that? (laughs) And God said, yes. And that's the reason why I put it out. (laughs) (laughs) The Bible talks about us being like clay. In which... God forms and he shapes and he molds so that we can do exactly what he desires. We can become exactly what he desires. Right? I don't know about you, but I want to become that clay that is fully surrendered to what God wants. And not what I want. God wants us to have pure motives. He wants us to have wills that are surrendered. He doesn't want to have to extinguish our will. Have you been like me? Is there something that God had to extinguish in your life? Don't pay too much attention to his extinguishing, but more attention given into why did he extinguish? So that I can be able to change what he wants me to change. Extinguish wills. God wants us to have surrendered will. God also wants us to be in a place of 
much prayer. Find it hard to be guided by God if we're not in a place of prayer. Right? I like one quote or one thing that Tony Evans said in his uh, sermon. In preaching, he was talking about you want to know if a church is really on fire? Go to the prayer meeting and check out how many people are in the prayer meeting. Then you're going to be able to tell how many, how on fire that church is. So, one of the reasons why Yonki Cho's church reaches the world is see how much they pray. Never forget. I hope that you guys meet him one day. His name is, some of you probably know him. His name is Pastor Wilson. He, he is the one that uh, serves as senior pastor at Namawanga Revival Church in Uganda, Africa. When I went there to visit him, I, he was come downstairs and take a shower and everything. I studied a little while and come down, I thought, expecting to go to a prayer meeting with him. And talking with him, I realized that this guy had already been up at 3 a.m. in the morning. And he had been up at 3 a.m. in the morning with some other people in church praying already three hours before he met me. And I think, oh, I just spent about half hour praying with God and reading the scripture. And I thought, wow, it was somewhere. Here's somebody that's reading three, four hours, three or four hours, they're somewhere with God. So I'm quick to be able to know God's will versus their own will. Spend time in prayer. David said in Psalms chapter 25, verse 4, show me your way, Lord, oh Lord. Teach me your path. Show me your way, O God. Right? He's seeking God. And through seeking God, he reveals, God reveals his way. What I've really learned now is that when it becomes and it becomes formed as a habit, when all hell breaks loose in our lives, Instead of us being shaken, you know what we would do? Pray. In times of change, in times where God is doing all kind of stuff, all kind of stuff is going on in our world, we're changing jobs, we're doing this and that, and all of those moments, we need to be in prayer so that we can constantly know God's guidance. And let me tell you one prayer to pray it, I don't hear very often that. One prayer that you want to pray in the midst of those times is that, God, if this is not a part of your will, close that door. Shut the door very quick, God, so that I don't waste time with it. Oh, boy, you can't, can you imagine? God loved to hear that prayer. Close that door real quick, God. 
He likes to hear that prayer. Jesus, we see time and time again, Jesus was out there praying all night. Jesus would go and serve the larger populations of people. And the Bible would continually say, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says that Jesus woke up very early in the morning. Or when Jesus needed to know which 12 or which people in which he was going to disciple, he just didn't go out and just get anybody. Jesus went before the Father. And he prayed and he sought God and God revealed to him what he needed to do. We need to make sure that we are not just going along with this fast-paced society where we can get everything right now, instantly. And to make sure that we're seeking God and we're allowing God to lead us and we're not seeking our own will and our own ways. We want God to guide us. We need to have a pure motive. We need to have wills that are surrendered to him. And we also need to seek him in prayer. Last thing. When, in order to be guided by God, we need to allow God's will to gradually be unfolded in our life. Oh, that's a trouble one for me. Because just what I just said to you about wanting it right now, that's me. I generally want things now. Like God, some kind of vending machine. Put the quarter in, give me a Twinkie. God is not a vending machine. Right? He has a plan. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows it. And he has a plan for you. And all we have to do is allow him to carry that plan to fruition in our lives. Right? Let me give you two examples and then we will close. One example we see. Jesus, he's just served these large numbers of people, this massive number of people, food and all of that kind of stuff. And he tells his disciples, get in the boat, John chapter 6, get in the boat and I'll meet you. And the disciple, get in the boat, go across the lake, and the Bible talking about, and the disciple in that lake, in that boat, and that wind start to beat up. This is the same one in which Peter came and walked in the water. Same story, but it's in Matthew chapter 14 with that one. The boat started rocking and the disciples were, oh boy. Just like maybe when we get into a situation or crisis in life, we say, oh boy. Last year, when I'm having all those different kind of tests, I would say, oh my goodness, God, what's going on here? And I was rocking and reeling. But the Bible said that Jesus came on about the third out on the third watch, which would be about three or four o'clock a.m. in the morning. And he came walking on the water. And the disciple thought, wow, is that a ghost? 
Right? And Jesus says, my friend, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's me. Right? And Peter said, Lord, if that is, that is you, tell me to come to you. And Peter said, and God said, yes, it's I. Come to me. Peter get up and he started walking on the water. Right? What is God trying to tell us with this story? What is he trying to say to us? Right? I tell you, in order to fulfill, the, uh, fulfill God's will in our life, man, it's going to take faith. Right? He was trying to develop their faith and their trust in him. That's what he was trying to do. Guys, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstances are, trust your God. And he will guide you through the storms. Trust him. Jesus quieted the storm. And the disciples said, wow. And that's what he was trying to get them to. He was trying to get them to that point that they would say, wow, this is the man in whom he said he would. This is God. Right? This is God. Because once they know and they know and they know without assurance that he is God, it doesn't matter what happened in your life. You're going to trust him. Because he's God and he's faithful. And he's true to everything that he says. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. We can trust him. We're trying to develop our faith and trust in him. The last story. Jesus was Ministering gets word that Lazarus has died. And the Bible says that Jesus said to those who were concerned, this is, this is not unto death. His disciples didn't quite know what he was talking about at the time. John chapter 11. His disciples didn't know what he was talking about at that particular time. So Jesus says, Lazarus will be all right, and he waits for a few more days before he finally gets over to Lazarus. And when he gets there, Mary and Martha, they're crying. A lot of other people are crying and so forth. And Jesus said, this is not bad, because this is going to work for the glory of God, Right? Jesus wanted to make sure his disciples understood who he was. So many times we get so focused on the miracles and all of the wonders and all of those things, and we forget about the man Christ. I can, ta- I can heal someone, or God can heal someone who don't know Christ, and that person be a healthy person that goes to hell. But when that man or that woman knows Christ, he can have full assurance when he leaves this world, he is not going to be eternally separated from God. He will be in the arms of Jesus. 
Jesus will try to get his disciples to have faith in him and him alone. Nothing else but him. So, in order for that to happen, we have to let God's plan unfold in our lives. Don't get in a rush. We sometimes see the signs around us and see all the shakiness going on around us and it causes us to feel like, I got to do something, I got to do something. God said, no, don't do anything. Just continue to trust me, continue to rely on me, continue to have confidence in me and it all will work itself out. Where are you at? Are you like me at times? That you want it to happen so fast that you begin to rush God? If you are there, that's okay. It's a good thing that you recognize that. But don't stay there. Confess that to God. Repent of it and turn away from it. And say, God... I'm placing my trust and my hope in you. Right? Some of you came to this door today and you had no idea about who Jesus is. You came came thinking that, oh, okay, my friend invited me to church and I'm just going, no, 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 no. Your friend invited you to church, yes. But the Holy Spirit is the one that's trying to draw you to Jesus. Because God has a plan for your life. And your coming today is just part of that plan in which God has for you. Some of you in this place today, you're going through a difficult situation in your life. God is willing to, God is testing your faith. Okay, remember the same thing that James talked about. He said, brothers, don't consider this thing strange when you go through very hard trials. Don't, don't, but rejoice in them. Why? Because as you stay under them, as you stay under them, God is working to mature you. God is working to bring you to that place of completeness. God has a plan for each and every one of our life. God has a plan for this church. God wants to do great things in your life. And together, as we follow the will of God, as we surrender ourselves to him, together we can do some awesome things for God. Amen. God has the best plan for our lives. Don't be duped to believing that some other plan is best for you. God has the best plan for you. All he's asking you to do is make sure that you check your motives. He's asking you to surrender your will to him today. And he's asking you to be seeking him in prayer. And he's asking you to say, allow my will to unfold in your life. Because if you allow my will to unfold in your life, God knows the plans that he has for you. And his plans are not to harm you. His plans are to prosper you, to give you a hope, and give you a future. Amen. It's all good. It's all good to clap and it's all good to shout today because we're in the house of God. But tomorrow hell may break through in your life and be expecting it. But I tell you one thing, all hell going to break through in my life, but I'm not going to go this word, this word of God. I tell you the Bible says that the man who finds these words, he finds life and he finds health to his whole entire body. Hold on to the word of God. 
Don't hold on to my word, but to the word of God. Because the word of God is what's going to sell you through life. The word of God is what's going to be that straight arrow that leads you. The word of the living God. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. I feel a little bit hot in here now. Mm-hmm. Praise Jesus. Well, Jesus made a way for you to know God's will. And God has promised that he will lead you and he will guide you. I believe if you put into practice what he has spoken in his word, you will stay on the straight and narrow. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you remind us, God, in your word. Lord, that you have a plan for us. You have a straight and best path for us, God. Father, I thank you that because of that, we don't walk around as people who are blind, but we're walking around, God, as people who led by you, God, who are guided by your spirit, God. Father, I thank you for every one of the precious people among us today, God. Father, they're after your heart. They want to know your will, God. They want to know your ways, God. Oh, Father, as we surrender ourselves unto you today, Lord. Oh, guide us in your way, Lord. Lead us individually. Lead us as families. Lead us as a church body, God. Help us, Lord, to walk in your ways, Lord, so that our lives may bring you the glory and you deserve on this earth, Lord. Father, I thank you for every single one that's here today. Please bless them in the going, Lord. Please bless them as they look to you now, Lord. Now, I said to you that Humel came with today, and you did not realize really why you, why you came today. But you came today really because the Spirit of God was drawing you. And God wants you to know Jesus. So if you were here today and you don't know Jesus, because the scripture says that those who will be guided by God must have those ones who have had their transgression forgiven and their sins covered. So you can't be guided by God until you first give your life to Jesus. So for those who have not given your life to Jesus, I just want to invite you today to pray this a real simple prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I recognize you as son of God and you died for me so that I don't have to live in sin. Thank you for accepting me. And you pray a simple prayer like that and God knows it coming from your heart and you're saved. And what you need to do is that you need to tell somebody about that. 
Now I know also that there are people in this building who are at an intersection. And you don't know exactly which way you need to take. Well, that's why you're here today as well, because God wanted to remind you that he wants to guide you. He wants to instruct you. And if you would give me the honor and privilege, along with a few other people in here, to pray for you, I can definitely do that for you. Not that I'm some kind of great person or anybody else, but it's just we seek our God together, and he reveals his plan and way to you. So, if you're at a crossroad, if you're at a place to where you just need somebody to pray with you and agree on God's will to happen in your life, I'm asking you to come on out and I'll pray for you today. And God give you the direction or the guidance in which you need to sail through the storm.